Hello, everybody. This is Warren. This is Alex. And this is Shit My, My Dad, Dad Says. And this week, we're going to talk about job situations and what, where jobs have been for me personally as my semi-long career as, a, as, a, as an employed person and Alex's short but varied career as, a, <laughs> as an employee. So, yes. There's a lot of change going on, and especially my life, uh, with tomorrow uh, actually being my last day at my current job and Monday uh, being the start of my new job, which we talked about last week. Um, and I, I just thought it'd be a good idea to kind of talk about our job, like our job, like background. I've worked a lot in food service and customer service. Um, retail. Well, why don't you, why don't you tell everyone what your first job was? Uh, my first ever job was actually at a, a gas station back in high school. I used to work at Crosby's. Uh, I was just a gas station attendant and, uh, I, I sold people cigarettes. I, man, I cleaned, uh, I was not able to touch the, the food at all. I think I was too young to run the the ovens. You had to be 18 to run the ovens. I think I was either 16 or 17 at the time. And that was Holly, right? Yeah, on Holly. On Holly, yeah. So that was that was like a out of the way sort of job. But that's also when I was starting to uh, get my permit and learn to drive. So it was easy to a good area to work in just because I also, we lived in Hamlin at the time. Yeah. Uh, so we were driving you to, we were driving you to Holly, which well, it's not that far of a drive. I mean, it's, it's, it's out fine. of the way, but it's like all those little towns are out there that way. It's like the next town over, you know, it's from Albion. It's the next town up from Albion. Albion, exactly. so. there's Clarendon right down the way as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was right by Brockport where I went to school. Uh, so it was, it was a good, area to be in it was a new area to be in and i got to know the locals and the local scenery as well like holly falls never knew anything about it until uh, i actually worked at crosby's well isn't that where we did your uh some of your your prom pictures once yeah that's uh that's where we took me jamal maya and what's her name I can't remember. I can't Don't worry about it. It's not yeah. that important. It, it, it's the past. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to bring up the Jamal thing, so. <laughs> I, yeah, it's fine. It, it's, but it's regardless, that's it. where you found out about that. And we, I think we went there with your your sister, too, with her friends when they were went to their little, when they had a dance. We went and did some pictures there with her and her, her, her little Yeah, it was like a junior ball or something like that. Or yeah, it was something ball. like that. Or something, I can't remember. Lizzie's uh, been in, gone to a bunch of stuff like that, so I don't really keep track of it that well. So. It was a gorgeous little town. Yeah, like, it is. I loved it. I mean, that, and like, I love the little towns you were talking about there. Each one of them had like a Crosby's in them. Everyone. Like, Even though they were used to be called K&K's back in the hours. <laughs> back when they first opened up, they were the They K &K's. either turned into Circle K's down south or Crosby's up, up north. So they still got Circle K's down. down oh, yeah. Circle K's would be a. a it used to be a good place to get uh, fountain drinks when I was going to high school and going to college. <laughs> pulling there and giving those fucking 52 ounces. Oh my God. And you yeah. take that with they you still drink do. it all day. Yeah, they I still know. do because of going down to see Olivia. And yeah, yeah. her whole town down in Ocean Springs had like five or six fucking Circle K's. Yeah, they're and, all over down south. Oh yeah. I know in Oklahoma they, had, they have a bunch of them. So. 
Uh, but that wasn't the first, that wasn't the last time that I actually worked at a gas station, too. Oh, well, yeah, later on you worked... I worked right up here in Spencerport, Spencer right up on the corner on Main Street. Uh, it's, not, it's a 7-Eleven now, but it used to be a Sunoco. And I did a lot of... It's a convenience store. Yeah, it's an, I did some overnights. I think that's the first time I ever did overnights. Yeah, but you were a lot older then, too, and you were out of high school. So. I was out of high school, in college... I uh, just needed a job to get money, and it was there. I had the experience. And it was close, too. I mean, even though you, you had a car, it didn't matter because you were, like, right down the street. Yeah, right, right down so the street. That helped. I'm uh, sure that helped a lot. I honestly don't remember any other jobs in between there, in between each. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, oh, your, no. your, job, your job situation was sporadic. I mean, like, for me, my very first one was... I was a dishwasher at um, my mom's friend, Cheryl Sanfrontello. She had a restaurant called Wild Winds Cafe, West Winds or Wild Winds Cafe, I can't remember which. And she needed someone to do dishes. And, you know, me looking for, me wanted a job. This is when I was like, maybe freshman in high school, maybe? Yeah, okay. Maybe that. Maybe before that. I mean, it was a junior or whatever. But it was. I so worked there for a little bit. It was the first bit. job. It was the first job. I did dishes and you got paid minimum wage. And it was like it was like Saturday and Sundays. It was like get there early. It was a it was a good job. I mean, I learned how to make hash browns there from the guy that was a cook. But and then after that, my other my other like real real job was working construction with my father. My father had, at the time, had moved, been back up. He'd come back up here. He appeared out of nowhere again. Yeah. My senior year, my junior, my freshman year in high school, he showed up. And then, I guess he moved to, like, the Canandaigua area and met up with my, my future stepmother and stuff like that. And they, they started living together. And he got a job working in Canandaigua, working for a construction company. And got me a job working there. And I was, I was basically the shit worker for the whole crew. I got to... We worked on this big, big old house for this real rich doctor in, in, Can, in Canandaigua. He had bought this old house, an old farmhouse, and wanted to update it to modern stuff. You know, we had, plum, we had to put plumbing in it. That's how old this thing was. Oof. And I did that for a couple summers with my dad because it, it was a long process for that company. They were there for parts of, for parts of it, and then they were there for other parts of it. But I spent like two summers working with my father during the day, we would, I would do all the work there, and I, I worked with him occasionally. But I was working with a lot of the other guys on the crew, digging ditches, cleaning out basements. <laughs> I mean, we dug out of the whole basement just so they could put new, new uh, plumbing. But we did plumbing from the road to the house, Ooh. the sewer lines, and everything. That was, uh, and, and a lot of it was like, I mean, we didn't dig it by hand. They dug the the main trench and stuff. But there's a lot of Physical, man, it was a lot of physical work that that summer. I mean, I got into good shape. I, I had to basically do it because I had uh, gotten in trouble with uh, the Columbia Records, Records Music Club, Records Club, and I had got all these records, and I didn't pay for any of them. So you stole records? No, it's not stole records. There's this thing you get, you would see it in the in the in the newspapers all the time. It would be, you know. Pick ten albums and for one cent, and then we'll. And then you got to pick like four. You got to buy four over like a, or five over a year or two. And they would send you those little cards, and if you didn't send it back, they would send you the album. Well, I never sent the cards back. 
So I was getting these albums that I wasn't going to pay for. I had no money to pay for it. Oh, God. So I got in trouble. My mom got me, and I also was in trouble because I was, that summer, I was that, that, not that summer, but that year, I had done a lot of school skipping, which was a mistake. But So I got in a lot of trouble. That was my, my freshman year was like the year that I didn't give a fuck or nothing because I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Edison and I wanted to fly planes. That's all I cared about at the time. So it was like, hey, I don't want to go through all this other bullshit. Why do I got to go through hairdressing and computer stuff? I don't want to know none of that <laughs> shit, right? But but no, I'd probably, if I look back at it now, I would have probably really preferred if I should have knuckled down a little bit better then. But I had to pay off my debt. So I was working there here. So I'm working 40 hours a week for the whole summer. And I made some pretty good money. Plus bought a whole chunk of comic books in my collection that year because of it. Because I had all this extra money. Because I had paid off my debt, had extra money, and I was doing stuff. And then at night, my dad, we were building a a barn for my dad, basically. He had chickens and he liked to raise chickens and use that as a a side side hustle or something. that was a side hustle back then? Was For chickens? him, he had chickens that he had, like, eggs. They sold eggs, and they sold chickens. And he had turkeys, too. He, but just, he was doing that stuff when he was out west, too. And, then, and I guess he brought them, a bunch of them with him when he came, and he brought, picked up the whole thing. But we did, I did that for a couple summers. That was, that was like, kind of my first real job working. Because I got the, you know, I, you know, I worked with my dad. It was kind of fun. But the first real job I had was I got in my, I think in my junior year or my senior year, I think it was my junior year, my friend Dave Griffith that got me a job working where he worked. And it was at a return, a rattan furniture company. Basically it was the the company that warehoused all the stuff for Ridge Rattan Furniture, which was up on East Ridge Road. They had this warehouse off on Dewey Avenue and they needed people to come in and you had you come in and you would you do clean up, you would take, you would, unload uh, 18 wheelers yeah. of furniture. You'd get it up and you'd put it in the warehouse and then when they when they needed it, you'd get it down. You'd do like some of the like prep work on it. We did clean up some of the uh, cleaning up some of the, the holes. We'd putty them up and then we'd have to we'd have to <laughs> sand it, get it ready for the guys to do it with the finishings if they painted it or they did stuff. So I did that for I think two summer two summers me and Dave did that together. We worked. I would ride my bike down all the way from like up where I live now, all the way down Dewey Avenue towards, cause it was right near Dewey Ridge. Oh, okay. It was like right around the corner from where I used to. I that's, a, that's a nice little area too. Well, it was, it, at the time it at was. At the time, yeah. Now it's, now it's kind of the, it's, I'm not gonna say the ghetto, but it's getting a little bad down there. It's, a, it's the bad part of it. It's not great. I mean, I right now, if I had to do it now, I would, I'd be afraid to ride through the area I drove through to get to the area. Mm. I mean, I would, I mean, I live, worked on that. For some reason, it's weird. That area I'm very, I was been attracted to because I worked in an area when I worked in Rattan Furniture Company place. I babysat down there because my mom's friend, um, Pam Sienna, she lived down there. And when she needed a sitter, I was the, the go-to sitter for her for her kids. And I oh, loved, yeah. And Eric and Amber were my, they were like my little brother and sister. I love them very much. And I still, to this day, do. Even though we have lost Eric a few years ago. But... It was great because I was at that area. And then when I worked at Kodak, I worked at that building in 69. It was a big, tall, white building that they just they tore down a bunch yeah. of years ago because of stuff. And now there's a... It was right next to the, the, the pepper mill. And it, right now it's a, what's it, one of those stupid gas stations that 
Fast Track or something. Oh, yeah, Fast Track right But that by... used to be the building. That used to be the three buildings I worked in, 65, 69, and 67, were the three buildings I worked at my last years at Kodak when I was at Kodak. So, so it's kind of like that area down there has been like it's kind, just of, kind my, of like your main my, centralized yeah, area. Yeah, my, my epicenter almost. So. <laughs> But then that was it. So then when I, you know, I got out of, after high school, I mean, I, I worked, basically, I went into the service to be, I wanted to be, I'm going to the army, I wanted to be an air traffic controller. And basically I couldn't pass the push-ups. And we know why, because it turns out that the muscular I, dystrophy. my muscular dystrophy was Well, you didn't reason. know that back then. No, because no. they didn't, they, it was, they didn't even have a name for what I had at the time. They had. It wasn't like MS or anything back then. No, no, MS is like a whole different. That's multiple sclerosis. That's a whole other thing. But, oh, okay. But this was, they had muscular dystrophy because you know we had the Jerry's telephones, Jerry's kids, and all that stuff. But there was never the, the adult onset. Becker's wasn't identified at that point. Oh. It wasn't identified until like maybe five or six years before I actually was diagnosed. Okay. So I didn't know nothing about it at the time. I mean, I remember when we were kids, we would do the little Jerry Lewis telethons and we'd go down there. We would, you know, do a little carnivals in our neighborhood and get money and go down there and like dump the money in the little jar on TV and wave to the TV. <laughs> Eddie Meath used to do it. It was kind of funny. But so then I went to the army and basically I was, like I worked for the, I was, my job was basically I worked for the military for I was an employee of the of the army for six months, basically was what it was. Yeah, as you were in training. Yeah, and then when I came back, I, you know, I but came back. Is that when you I, went to Tulsa? Not right away. When I came back, I I came back. I hung out a little bit. I did, you know, hanging out with some friends and stuff. We hung out with Julie and and her husband Donald and Kathy and a couple other people and just hung out a little bit before that. But then. I was, my first wife and I started getting back, kind of back together, or not, this is when we first actually right. got together and stuff. But then I was like, I just, I wanted more, because I knew that I could go to school, because I'm like, hey, I wanted to do something in f flying or something, something to do with airplanes, because that's what I had done when I went to Edison. Learn to fly before you could drive. Learn to fly before you could drive, right, basically. And then all this stuff happened where it was like, I found out about the school, Spartan. I could have went to two places. I could have went to Spartan School of Aeronautics, which was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or I could have went to Emory Riddle, which was in, I think, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I didn't want to go to Florida because I didn't like Florida because I thought it was too hot. <laughs> which so was you went stupid. To which was stupid because I went to Oklahoma and the first week where I was in Oklahoma, it was over 100 for the first oh week. Oh, my God. So that was a dumb thing. But then I basically wanted to... I didn't want to get into the flying part of it. I wanted to do more of the, the airplane instruments and the, the electronics part. Air traffic control I thought, kind of stuff. Well, the air traffic control stuff was still there, but I don't think that was something that was, I, I'd given that up because at the time, the bottom of that threw on and, and uh, Reagan had screwed up the whole system of the air traffic controllers at the time. And it was like a really shitty job to get at the time. Oh, okay. So I wanted to do, I wanted to do something, something in avionics, aviation, avionics, electronics or something. Something that I thought that could, I could translate into many different things. Right. And so I went down there and I specifically went in and went into the avionics program, which I learned electronics. And then I learned aircraft instruments and stuff like that. So I, that was my, my, I guess you can call my major was avionics and aircraft instruments. And so I went to school with, for down there. And of course, living down there, you had to have a job. You couldn't just live, because oh, yeah. they didn't have a, they didn't have like a, a dormitory or 
a campus per se where you lived on. There was this campus where a bunch of buildings went to school there, but mostly everybody lived in the area, some around it. They had an apartment complex that they had a group of apartments saved for kids who went to Sparta, but you had to pay rent, regular rent. Ooh. But this was like, this was like in the, the mid '80s, and so like rent was like it wasn't that expensive. I mean, my my roommate and I, Bob, we had I had a roommate. My Bob, my roommate Bob Linden, Linden um, God, I'm gonna he's gonna kill me now. Linden Holman. Linden, oh God, L I N D N I V O S, Linden Hovis. God, I Linden can't remember Hovis. the yeah. But he was from Rochester too. We met at some Spartan meetup thing, and then we said, "Hey, we both were going to be in electronics." He was going to be in the day program, and I wanted to do the night program because I wanted to. I wanted to work down there too. So yeah, and I had already had basically a little in with getting a job down there because. My stepfather's, one of my stepfather's friends, his brother-in-law owned Charlie Mitchell's. His brother-in-law was Charlie Mitchell. Oh, okay. And he said, he knows the, the head chef down there, he can get me in as to get a job, but I'd have to start at the bottom like I did. And that was- and Dishwasher I, once more. I was a dishwasher again, and that was, and now, now we're talking hardcore dishwasher. We're not just talking, oh, for breakfast. We're no, talking about like brunch, we're talking lunch, we're talking all that stuff. We're talking everything. So I was involved with that. That was my main job that I worked when I was going to school. I was working in a restaurant. God, I I hate it. I, re I remember going to, I forget what the country club was, uh, but it was off of the canal, and I think Antonio got me the job, uh, and I was a dishwasher with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think oh, it was Salmon Creek, maybe? Salmon Creek, yeah, it had to have been. Either that or it was one of them, because there's what a couple of them around here. So. a bad place to work. It was not sanitary. They just did not care about the employee's health or uh, the employee's safety. All they cared about was get this shit done, wash off these dishes, and bring them out. Or if they had another event outside or uh, in the main hall, all right, that's what you're going to do. You're going to move all of this over to this side. You're going to move these tables and chairs over here. Uh, oh, you look like you're big and strong. We're going to actually have you lift up this thing. The I smelt like you smell like shit all the time when you came home, dude. I'm serious. No, but see, that's God. Part of, but this part of working in a restaurant, though, you're going to smell like that. I know I had the same... I had the same problem. I know the minute I got out of work, at least if you work in my the ass went my ass went right to a shower the minute I walked in the door. I could not stand myself because it was such a disgusting. You just smell of every little food because you're when you're dishwashing, you, every food comes you by get you. Everything and Fish, you get a lot beef. of it. Now, see, now I had the advantage of working in a restaurant run by uh, a classically trained chef who ran our restaurant top of the line. Everything had to be perfect. Did he run it like the guy in Bear? No, not that. Not that as it, as as like that's yes more chef. like a that's more of like a very French. That's Michelin star. Michelin kind of. star kind of bullshit like that. Rick wasn't like that because he knew he wasn't working with chefs. He was working with scrubs like us. But <laughs> he ran that restaurant like it was, you know, five star restaurant. He wanted to make sure that everything was clean, that you had stuff clean. I mean, we were cleaning shit constantly, always during the whole time. That was probably, if you weren't doing dishes, your ass was cleaning somewhere else in that kitchen. Oh. And he made sure of it. It was something that I had, that I had grown to respect. appreciate and respect, but hate to fucking do. <laughs> and then especially when I got out of being a dishwasher, which 
I was only dishwashed for me two or three months before bad. I was able to move over into prep work and, and then I became a you know a salad guy and stuff and that was you know the first year I was there I was a dishwasher a prep person and a salad the salad guy for a little bit the second year I was there I, would, I did a lot more but yeah, we'll go into that a little bit later. But that's... I mean, it, there's there's two sides of the coin. There's the kitchen, and then there's the servers. I remember being a server at Olive Garden. Uh, I think that was the only server job I've ever had. Surprising. No, no. Okay, I was a I was a food runner in uh, in purchase. Yeah, when you're in purchase, you got that. Uh, uh, that kind of helped me with the whole like server aspect because all I had to do was br uh, learn the layout of a small little restaurant called the cobblestone down in purchase New York holy shit do they have such great food I I have never ha been to a place that I prefer more than any other restaurant I've ever been to well dude that's also because it's Westchester too you're dealing with a lot of higher higher more clientele down there too. I mean not even it was you Oh, you weren't even it. You never. I've never been there, but I know Westchester. Westchester is not exactly the, the scrubs of freaking upstate New York. It's it's a pretty high, high fluted place. I, the it felt so homey like that. Well, it, maybe the restaurant, but I'm saying the clientele. Oh, the clientele. Yeah, it's bougie as hell. A lot more, like you said, bougie. Whatever, you know, bourgeoisie. <laughs> I, I'm very because of the cobblestone. I am very particular about my French onion soup. Because I f that is the first place I've ever tried French onion soup, and I don't think I've ever tasted anything as good ever. In any, any other like professional restaurant, they packed it with, I don't know what they did with the seasonings for uh, the French onion, but it well, was delicious. They probably did it pretty good, like because I know I've seen like, a couple of shows that have done some like recreations of other restaurants doing you know, French onion soup. and. It, there's a lot of different ways to make it that can then they all seem pretty pretty intense too so I can imagine what that would be like but I I learned what the what foods were what uh, and what tables they go to I learned how to hold a, a tray properly how to handle two trays properly how to handle without a tray one two three six plates six okay. plates at a time. That was such an experience, uh, and I actually got to take some orders towards the end of my time at Purchase. Um, and see, that kind of stuff sticks with you, though, too. It does. I mean, just like for me, stuff that I remember making when I worked in a restaurant, that I, to this day, still do kind of the same way they do stuff. Oh, yeah. Like the quesadillas. That's how we used to, how I, used to, how I make them. That's how they used to make them in the restaurant. And a lot of the things how he, how that I used to watch, how the chef made chef poe would make us do stuff that's how i do it to this day that I, I still sticks in my head that that's the way and a lot of my impression of what food's supposed to taste like comes from that too a lot of my mannerisms even at work come from a lot of my food service because i think the oh, do you count starbucks as food service uh, you 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 had some food there, right? You had some like yeah. I mean, I, I, I manned the ovens and I did a bunch of barista stuff. But it's so. not it's not the same as like you know going Restaurant. as a as a waiter or something. Yeah. You know what I mean, I mean that was one thing that I don't think I could ever do is be a waiter. I mean, I had an opportunity if I after I was gonna when I was done as a dishwasher, he said, you want to be prep or you want to go out and be a busboy? And I'm like, I'm prep and I want to be nowhere near people, which is kind of ironic because I end up being out front doing fucking brunch for people, having to make their 
you know, their uh, omelets right in front of omelets. them. Omelets. No, I didn't do the omelets so much as I did the uh, uh, what's that egg? Oh crap! That the egg with the sauce, the hollandaise sauce on it. Oh, eggs, eggs Benedict. Eggs Benedict. Yeah. That was that was the thing that I had to do, and had to do it in front of people. They were standing there watching <laughs> you cook it for them. <laughs> and this was us. I said, Rick, I told you I did not want to be in front of people. I am not exactly the best at Personal. the time. Well, at the time I had full beard. I had long hair. <laughs> I had braids in my beard. You looked like Jesus. I was. I you was like how you complain. I look. I look. No, I look. <laughs> I look scuzzy. I'll admit it. I look real scuzzy. But it was just because I didn't give a fuck at the time. I was going oh to school, God. and I had no time for all that personal bullshit. I had to just get up, go to work, go to school, come, come home, home, go back to work. Yeah. And that's how it was. My life was for a good six months at the time I was there. What I find is funny is that you're such an introverted person and you married the most extroverted woman ever. Well, like, well, at see, least that I've ever but known. See, that's the thing. It's like I've always been attracted to opposites of myself. My first wife was like that too. She was a very outgoing person. She was a very activities, I guess you could call it. Activities oriented person, I guess. Slut. Well, it's not just that, but it just but she was like out she put herself out there and your mom does that and I respect your mother for that more than anything because that's something that I I can't do. I'm not a type of person that likes to put myself out there in front of I've learned to do that now because I've taken Dale Carnegie, my Dale Carnegie class oh, yeah. and I know learned how to get out there and converse with people. I could get up in a room full of people and do a speech if I had to. I've done it many, many times in Dale Carnegie classes. So to me, that was the one thing that I was definitely afraid of, terrified of doing. See, I have now no I don't have any with that. Well, yeah, because, because I'm like, a theater kid. Because you're like your mother. Your mother's a very <laughs> out there person. She likes to get out there and say, this is her. She doesn't give a crap. She does what she does to do. She does what she knows she has to do. That's why I was such a good waiter. I, I, I agree. I think that's why you would be a good waiter. The best waiters are the people that are the most personable people. Ain't, that's one yeah. the ones that make all the the ones that make the money. The ones well, that there's make all the, the thing. Food. I made nothing though. Yeah, because because you were at a place where you had to share your tips most of the time. Uh, right? Credit card tips we had to share. Cash tips we. I think when I went to when I worked within the restaurant, they, I think they had a, you get you keep your own tips and you you're in control of your own tips and things. was this is way before credit cards were like so prevalent in our society too. But I mean and and also kind of like branching off of that, I think it's why I I take things from food service like my personable energy and I put that into being a barista, getting to know people and now with Costco, getting to know the regulars that come in or figuring out what you need. And the same thing's gonna happen for you. Same thing with ESL as a relationship banker. That is literally my title, relationship banker. I sit down and have a conversation with you to see what fits best for you in the coming uh, days, weeks, months. Right, or what what services they can offer you or whatever, right? Exactly. And that's gonna work for you, I think. And I think that's the good thing about it. There's some people that should do those jobs. There's other people like me should not do those jobs. (laughs) I'm the type of person that you just tell me what to do, I go ahead and do it, and I just do my job and get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. And I love that when I worked worked at at Kodak. Now, getting, getting from Working in a restaurant to get in a Kodak was a very... That is like night and day. It was a very crazy thing. The problem was with that is, okay, I did graduate finally. 
from not finally. I mean, after two years, I graduated with my associate's degree, and I I went I went on I think seven or eight interviews with different places. I went on like five interviews with airlines. I went to an airline with Pan Am when they were still around. Oh wow! Eastern when they were still around. Continental when they were still around, <laughs> and um, Delta. Delta, still around. Still around. The only one I probably should have took, but I didn't take. And I was offered their job, too. But I didn't want to move to Atlanta. Uh, As Atlanta was like too too close to Florida? No, it wasn't wasn't (laughs) just Florida. It was just... At that time, I'd been down south two whole years, and I did not want to go farther south. To me, Atlanta was like staying south. If I was in Texas, like when I end up... Which is weird, because I end up staying in Texas, going to Texas instead of going to Florida. Or Atlanta, but there was something. To, there was something about the job that it wasn't going to pay me as much as I wanted to. Now I could have got the job from Pan Am, which was a very great job. Mm-hmm. But it's living in. But it's going living in New York City, getting ten bucks an hour. I would have to have lived in a little shithole someplace. Yeah, I mean, and there was no way I would have been City. able to find a place. This is back in the eighties, of course. But still, there was no way I was going to be able to live. On ten bucks an hour down there without having to have a roommate or a bunch of roommates or something down there, and I was like, "That that job's out." And then Eastern Airlines was Florida. I did not want to live in Florida. There's yeah, a, there's something about Florida I just don't like. It's just something it, to this day it bugs me. Mister DeSantis, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> but it's the same way. It's the it's the same thing. I just don't. And then Continental was good, but Continental was having a lot of a lot of uh, union problems too. Oh, okay. And. A lot of the people that I went to school with went there, and they ended up working there for a while. And then when the company went under, they all lost their jobs, or they ended up moving to other places too. But it's like I wanted to work for an airline because that was the whole purpose of getting a job, working in my my field because I wanted to work on airplane airplanes. And then I, what I ended up doing is I was offered a job from this this small little avionics firm down in Austin, Texas, called Castleberry Instruments, and because the at the time, the, the two of the teachers that I had learned from, they had glowing reviews of me. They both went there, worked there at one point or another, or they had like a little pipeline there of people from Spartan to go to it. And they All said, you would be perfect for this place because this is you. And it was. It was great. It was great for the first 10 months that I was down there. It was the yeah. best job I ever had up to that point. I had, I was getting paid Ten bucks an hour, but ten bucks an hour in Austin, Texas, nineteen eighty nine, eighty five. Oh, in that time frame, I was, I was, I had to, I had a, okay, I had a, a studio apartment, but I paid two hundred bucks a month for a studio apartment. Yeah, and it was beautiful. It was furnished. Fuck. So I didn't have to buy That's any furniture nice. and all of that stuff. I had everything right there. It was a beautiful apartment in a great part of town. I was a little bit south of. I was in Georgetown, which is a little bit. I mean, Georgetown, Round Rock is in the same area. It's a little bit north of Austin, but, and I lived 10 minutes from work. I could ride my, I could ride a bike to work if I wanted to. Oh yeah. And it was the perfect situation and I loved that job. But then, you know, some things happened where Castleberry got bought out by Dunlop Corporation, which is a huge corporation. And they said, okay, we're buying them out, but anybody hired after this date, you're going to have to, we're going to have to um, separate you. You're gone. Oh, We're going to have to fire you because we cannot, we, we, we don't have the resources to, to keep that many people. Damn. And I was like, oh, wonderful. I've just committed to almost staying my whole life here down in Austin. And I loved Austin. Austin is, to me, is 
the most favorite place I've ever lived in my entire life, Austin, Texas. I had so many good friends there from all over the place. It was close to my family in Texas, in Dallas. Very cultural place, too, for food. Oh, food, music. Music. For me, oh. music. Austin, Texas was was my guiding guiding light for music. It was one of the reasons why I was happy to went there. And when I went there, I was in fucking music heaven. Engulfed. For me. There in was all kinds. It just of had tons of freaking blues, music down bluegrass, there. Bluegrass, like jazz, country. We talked about. I think we had talked about the South by Southwest conference in, the, in a other one. Yeah, with, I was, with Elvis, I think. Yeah, I was down there at the time when the first one came out, and I loved it because I got to go, I got the pass and got to go to all the Sixth Street bars and check out everybody. I got to see all the. I got to see Trace Chapman before she gave had her big hit. I got to see tons of stuff, and with anything, it just it, it sparked something in me that, to this day, it still it still does. Music to me, is if someone had to ask me what the three most important things in my life would be my family, music, and football. <laughs> And yeah. that's it. Not necessarily in that and order. Not, depending on the day, yeah. I mean, depending if it's on a the Sunday, day. football's pretty high up there. If it's a Sunday, forget everybody else. But but not really. It's just that the music has sent it sparked something in me that made me so in tune with music. I like it's one of the reasons why I love music so much and why I'm so I eagerly eat up all these different kinds of music because because of living in Austin being exposed to that stuff. And it was great because, I, like I said, I was working with a bunch of people from all over Texas, some people from Texas. I mean, I had a couple of friends from up from Amarillo lived up there, and they were, I knew, and I had family in Amarillo, too. So I got family in Dallas. I could drive from Austin to Dallas, four-hour drive, mm-hmm. and go spend the you know, 4th of July up, up in Dallas with family up there. It was it was fun. So it's like you were away from like your main family, but you still had family. I had down some there. family, yeah. And my uncle, my uncle Tom, and Aunt Fran, God bless them, they let me stay there. They let me hang out and hang out with their, you know, their teenage son and got to hang out with a college guy that was, we were all hanging and doing stuff we probably wouldn't be, shouldn't have been doing and they don't have to know about it. But, but it was just something that was, it was great. It was a great time being down there. I loved being the age I was at the time when it was, when all the music was, stuff was happening down there. It was a, it was a you great You were down time. there during like the golden age of music. Well, like I said, I was only down there for like a year. Still. But then when I lost my job at, at, at Kessenbury, I had a decision to make. There was tons of places. I, I could have got a job at IBM down there. I could have got a job at any number of other. IBM before they got bought out by Lenovo. I, this this is IBM. This was just going to be their, some, whatever company was. They were what they they were big down there at the time. Yeah. And they still are, I think. But no, I had I, an opportunity to to. There was a lot of opportunities down there. I could have stayed. I even was offered another job working in another uh, instrument pl- company, and I just I just couldn't do it. And I this because at this point I had been down south almost four years, three or four years, and I just homesick. I was homesick. Yeah, I was homesick. I mean, in the times during that time, uh, my first week in Austin, my grandfather passed away. And here I was in Austin, Texas. No way to get home for the funeral because I had just started my job. No oh way my to go. God, yeah. And then, you know, just after that, my old grandmother died, but nobody told me about it because they knew I was coming home for for Labor Day. I was going to come on Labor Day just to visit. And came that's home. When they let you know. And that's when they let me know grandma passed away. And I didn't get to go to either one of their funerals, and it really upset me because these are the two of the most dynamic people in my life that affected me the most out of my besides my mother and my father 
these other two people, and well, of course my aunts and uncles too, but my grandfather is one of the, the guiding lights in my entire life. Everything I do, I do because what would Harry think of me doing this? Or what would Harry yeah. think? What would he do in this situation? Did I do this? Did I did I live up to what he would think would be the right thing? And it's always been in the back of my head that. And I always regret that I wasn't able to be here for the the funeral. But I think he, if he would under if him of all people would understand why I didn't come, because I had just started that. I just started my new career down there, and there was no way physically that I could have came back and kept my job. That's how I felt with. Uh, Bonnie dying when we. Well, yeah, because you had just started school. I that was the day of we started school, or the day before we started. Uh, well, it was the day that we brought you down there. Yeah, and it was a couple days before school started, but still, it was. Dude, that's I know how that feels. It's messed up. It sucks, but it's. I mean, regardless. And then there's the regardless, whole thing. regardless of how your grandmother was and how things were before, a little bit before my surgery with your grandmother. She's still your grandmother. She still loves you very much. And I think oh, yeah. she she considers you to be her fucking golden child. She <laughs> fucking cared. She gave more, more of a shit about you than she did me. I'm sorry. Uh, and because of that day, I have a whole thing with dragonflies again. Yeah. It, it was like... <laughs> for for those of you who don't know, I, I, I see dragonflies as a, a huge sign of good luck. Uh, because back when I was a... Little boy, uh, and I remember this distinctly, uh, having my grandfather Bill, or my father's stepfather, um, hold me and tell me a story about how a dragonfly saved his life. How he was going off on a business trip, and uh, as he was walking out the door, a dragonfly stopped him, looked right at him in his face, hovered right eye level, and he decided to not go to that, uh, go on the flight. And it was reported the next day that the flight he was supposed to be on crashed. And a bunch of people died. Uh, so that's, that's how it first started. Uh, and when Bonnie died that day, we went out to get, um, some stuff from Stop and Shop down in Purchase. And it was bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. I had uh, my best friend Elvis. I had two of my other friends from Purchase in the back seat. And as we're in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic, uh, sit two dragonflies sit directly on the hood of my car, look directly at me for like a minute and a half straight. One was purple, one was yellow. Uh, and I swear to God, it was Bonnie and Bill. Like, that is... <laughs> and every once in a while... Like, just this past week, I've seen uh, a yellow dragonfly uh, follow me from work to my car, uh, and a purple dragonfly sitting on my hood this morning, actually. Uh, and I'm fairly certain yellow is Bonnie because she loved rubber ducks. <laughs> and purple is Bill. Uh, I don't know why. I just feel like purple is... I just... I associate it with that. Right. So like it's because of that whole situation, I dragonflies are like a, a ser serious sign of good luck. I believe in that stuff though, I really do, because I'm I'm the same way. It was like just before I married your mom, I had a dream that my grandfather visited me 
when I was sleeping. <laughs> like, I woke up in the middle of the night and he was sitting in a chair next to the bed and he was saying, he was telling me, it's going to be okay, dude. I'm gone now. You don't need me anymore. I'm out of here. And it was like, and ever since then, it's been things have been, you know, I know my, has been tearing up a little bit, but my grandfather was the most important person in my life ever to me. And he treated me like I was his own child. He, he was treated your me. Figure. He was. He was the guy that, who I, to this day, will always think that he's the best person that's ever walked the face of the earth. Now I know that that's bullshit because not ever, no one's ever, the best person ever walked <laughs> the face of the earth is Jesus Christ, blah, 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 blah. But this man, he gave up a lot to be who he was and be with the people that he loved. And I really believe that he did visit me that day because ever since then I've been the happiest I've been. I've had, Wonderful kids. I've had a beautiful wife. I've got a. I've had a good life, even though some shit has happened. But guess what? Life, shit happens in life all over the place. You're gonna get sick. You're gonna have problems. You're gonna have heart problems. You're gonna have things happen. You're gonna lose jobs. Shit's gonna be fucked up at some point yeah. in time. But at the core of it, you're gonna be a decent. You're gonna if you're a decent person, which I consider myself to be a decent person. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't beaten anybody up. I haven't really. <laughs> I haven't. You know, I've got my faults. Everyone's got faults. Yeah. But I don't let them faults rule my life as much as some people do. You know, and I know I've got, there's been some things happen, both good and bad in my life. But to this day, I'm I'm very happy with the life I've led. And I like it that way. I like it that, that things have turned out the way they have. And, I, and it's always in my back of my head. As Grandpa said, things are going to be okay. And they have been. They've been yeah. fine. They've been great. It's like I said, I mean, you have two beautiful children, which Jesus Christ, 25 and 22 years old. Who would have thought 25 years ago we'd be talking about stuff on a podcast? Yeah, you know? or podcasts would even be a thing. Would even be a thing. Yeah, it's like, you know, so it's all, it's like kind of that comes around, goes around kind of thing. And I'm like, I'm hoping some of the stuff that I talk about, some of the stuff that I've given to you and your sister through life just my experience from my example and stuff would be just as much as it means for me for my for me to my grandfather you know if he was still alive today he would be very proud of you and everything you've done <laughs> i'm sure great he would. grandpa harry I'm sure he would, and I think he would love the hell out of you guys. <laughs> you especially. Hell, I use his bowling you, ball. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You do, and you throw that thing like a son of a bitch, too. <laughs> but see, that's the thing, and then it's funny, too, because your sister ended up taking being a varsity letter. Yeah. A varsity letter. Bowler. Bold sports person in bowling, of all things. I'm like, it's in your blood. It's part of you. <laughs> it's hairy, coursing through our veins. <laughs> no, I know we're getting away from the, the, the whole job, job thing, aspect, but but, uh, it's... but see, that's the thing. Jobs have a lot of effect on the way things are in your life. Like, oh yeah, my last job. Well, okay, I'll, I'll go back a couple of jobs. My, to get my job, so I was talking about before was right. I was trying to get a job with the airlines, and I didn't take it. And I took the the bar. I went to Castleberry and went to Austin and did that stuff. But the three years, I had to come back. I needed to come home. I just was, there was, I was lonely. I didn't, there was a couple girls down in Texas that I kind of had a thing for, but it wasn't like serious. serious. Yeah. You know, it was just, 
I did have no connection down there for as much as much as I loved the place. It wasn't a connection, a personal connection with people down there as much as I wanted. So, I mean, one of the one of the things that really scared me too was one of the guys I worked with came told me that he was part of the Ku Klux Klan and wanted me to join. Oh dear God! Like, oh my God! You picked the first place. You picked the wrong person to think about Ku Klux Klan because oh I am not God. one of those people. What? But made, it was just what made him think. I, I don't know what made him think. It was just he thinks I'm this. You know this. Because you're white. Some white bald. I wasn't bald then. I had shorter hair, but I had this white blonde, blue eyed, you know American. And think, oh maybe he's on, like one of us. You know. I, I don't know what the hell the guy was thinking. I mean, I didn't realize this. I mean, I went to the house, guy's house for Thanksgiving once, and I didn't even know he was a freaking carnivore. I shouldn't even be talking about it. He'd probably come after me and kill me. He might be dead, too. I don't know. But start regardless. <laughs> this is Texas. But I was like, um, no, I'm sorry. I don't think that's... And then ever since then, I I didn't hang out with him. I didn't, I didn't, do, I didn't have anything to do with the guy after that. And I was like... And I was afraid for my life, basically a little bit too, because I'm like, this is the Ku Klux Klan. Here I am. I'm in this, this little, this little white boy from freaking New Rochester. York City, you know, Rochester, New York, you know. So it's like that was part of it too. But it was like I was lonely. I wanted to come home. I Had missed my home. family. I yeah. missed. And you know, then I found out that my soon-to-be ex-wife, but she had just gotten separated with her first husband, and was back home too. So. Like an idiot, well, I let the, the the member tell me what to do that time. <laughs> so I came back to New York and I drove, let's see, I drove from Austin to Tulsa, spent a couple of days in Tulsa with my roommate and visited a few people and then drove 20 hours, 25 hours from Rochester to, from Tulsa to, Tulsa to Rochester, Rochester straight. Ew. I hate that. It was 25 straight hours. But I was also, I was 20 years old, too. So. Yeah, you're and invincible. I was, and I was guzzling two liters, three liters of... Circle K, baby! No, Jolt Cola. Jolt? Jolt Cola. Double Fuck. The, double the caffeine, double the sugar, dude. And it's probably why I got heart problems now. <laughs> <laughs> Could you sue for that now? No, no. Damn. That's not why it is. I, it was no my only, settlements or anything? It was my only damn fault for drinking this stuff. But I was young. It was like you it was like you guys with Red Bull and your little energy drinks. That's yeah, basically venom. what it was. It was venom. But see, that's what it was. It was that's what it was then. It was that was before all that stuff. So but it got me got me back and hell, I even used one of the three liter bottles to urinate in when I was driving, so I didn't have to stop. It was good. I, I couldn't sit down for that long. Dude, I drove that far in a little Hyundai Excel too. Oh my! Packed fuck. to the brim with all my shit in the back of my van, in the back of my car. I I I can't even picture me driving in my Chrysler. And dude, I drove after I drove that time. I got home. I my mom, your grandma had a party going for me being home, and I didn't get to sleep until like the next morning at like Ew. Three, two or three in the morning. Fuck that. I was so either hyped up on caffeine or just the high of being back or the second or and third wins everything. or just everything. <laughs> and I was just, it was it. Was it. But, but what did you... So I came back, so I was like, okay, I'm going to get a job here. I'm going to try to get a job. And I did. I tried to get a job working for... I was going to get a job down in North Carolina. I was I applied for American Eagle Airlines, which is a regional airline out of, um, out of Charlotte. North Carolina. I was trying to get a job down there. I flew down there, had a great interview. It didn't happen for some reason. I, and then it was like, then I got hooked back up with my 
my my soon to be ex wife. Yeah. And then we just started dating and screwing around and stuff. And then, and I was trying to get jobs here and there. I worked and you know, worked cleaning cars because I had done that working. I'd done Detailed? that. Detailed. I'd done like because there's a there's my friend my mother's friend Pam Sienna had she had a new husband and he had a car dealership. It was up on here in Ridge Road. It's actually right close to here, up right up here, right right across from where K, where the not Circle K, geez, where the old Speedway was. On that, on the corner, like 104 and uh, 259? Around that area, a little past there. But he had a place there, and I worked there cleaning cars for him for like a good month or two before he did that. And then I, I couldn't handle doing that job anymore. That job was just fucking, it was killing me. So I ended up actually, then my, my, my ex-wife and I got together, and we started living together. And then we moved out to live with my father for a little bit out in Geneva. And I was basically running a... His, uh, his card and party shop in Auburn, New York. We would drive from Geneva to Auburn every morning with her and her son. We would drive there, we'd run, you know, we would open up a, a store. We would be open until five, six or seven o'clock at night and drive back, have dinner, start it all over the next day. We did that for a long time. And then Mia just decided she wasn't, she couldn't handle it anymore. She was done with it. She needed to get out of there. And so we basically, I said, okay, then she's leaving and I'll have to stay. And I was going to stay, but then my dad started shit saying I stole money from him. And it was this oh whole big God. bullshit that I don't want to have, it's no need to get into it. But I mean, it was the first time my, my stepfather, Bill, ever stood up to me and stood up to my father right to his face and told him, you ain't pulling that shit on this, this kid. He is not that type of person. Mm -hmm. And he did. And my dad did. And I had nothing to do with my dad for quite a few so years. Died. Right? Well, just before he, this is when he was healthy too, because what had happened is like two or three years after that, he had contracted throat cancer and he had, he had part of his uh, vocal cords removed. And I didn't know none of this because my brother Joe was the only one in contact with him. And then when I finally found out, I was like, okay, I've got to make amends with my father. I can't, I can't have this thing between us. You can't leave it. If he's going to die, I can't have that. There's no, I just personally, as a person, I can't have that. And luckily a friend of mine, she told me, said, you can't let you, you can't leave your life like that. Your father can't be that much of a, he's part of your life. He was your father. You can't just let that be something that's over your head for the rest of your life. Right. And I did. And I said, okay, I called him up and I said, you know what? Look, you're my father. I love you, but I don't like you. I don't like what you did to me as a kid. I like how you treated my mother. I like how you treated my brothers and me. But if you can understand that right now I want to have a relationship with you that's what we'll do yeah and if you don't then just tell me and that'll be it and then I'll say I tried and that was I tried and for then me. say love he wiped your hands and at the time through. he really couldn't speak but he he had kind of written it down on a piece of paper and he had uh, my stepmother tell me I think I, I forget what how it was or something or he would know he used a little bit little machine that like that little machine like and he said something like he said something that that was he that was true and he accepted that that fact and he wanted to be part of my life and I was like okay and then you know that whole thing we got back became you know we forgot about all the bullshit that happened before with my ex-wife and because this was after I had been divorced and was engaged to your mom and your and your mom actually met my dad and my stepmother a bunch of times too. And then 
And then just before, just a couple months before we were going to get married, he passed away. You know, he got he got sick again, and cancer came back, and he had to go to the hospital. And then it was weird too. Andy, Andy, Andy Thompson was at our house trying to sell us insurance. Oh, that's right. You told me about this story. Because he, he was he came he came over as as a. I think we might have talked about this on the Andy episode, but he came over to sell us um, insurance. We were going to get married. We wanted to make sure we had everything set up. And yeah. he needed he needed the help because he just started his job. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And then I get the phone call, and I'm like, okay. And then I sat back down at the table, and then your mom said, well, what was it? And he goes, Dad passed away. <laughs> and, Andy, <laughs> and Andy just went... Oh shit! Oh, damn. <laughs> um, we can we can postpone this, and we ended up never buying insurance from Andy because he quit that job afterwards. Soon after that, so see, I I almost got a, uh, an insurance job. Uh, yeah. This Costco job is really was really draining my fucking mental health because I worked two thirty to eleven, and uh, the fucking oh, what's it called? Uh, oh, national income. Yeah, national income life insurance. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I got an interview for that. I know I had a, a, a webinar. A webinar. Uh, and if they liked my application and stuff, they uh, called me for a phone interview. Uh, well, I was glad you didn't take that job because it seemed like to me that was a huge turnover. Because every other year, your mother and I have got a new, we have a new representative that, that keeps trying to sell us yeah. more insurance every year. I'm like, Jesus Christ, people. I mean, I, Jason, I don't know if you're listening to this. Uh, I know you were asking me about why... I didn't take the insurance job because it would have been good. I would have been good at it because I'm very personable. Uh, and like I told you, told you, Jason, or I'll tell everyone now, too high of a risk. I mean, I'm making right now at, at Costco guaranteed 40 hours a week, 19.50 an hour, and that's with full-time benefits. Uh, I get vacation time and personal time. Well, you got. Uh, yeah, I've been using that shit up. Yeah, I know. But listen, dude, what you did was a smart thing. You got to you got to do the go for the thing right now. You're at the time in your life you got to go for the sure thing. And I can't take any risks. No, and that see that's what my my thing was when I finally got my job working. At, well, let's see this way. So then we came back. Me and I came back to Rochester and we lived, and I lived with her. She lived with her mom, and I lived with my, with my mom and yeah. stepdad for a little bit. And I got a job working at Hertz Run the Car. Ooh! And I was working at Hertz Run the Car, I was a cleaner, and we used to clean the cars and take them back and forth to the airport. It was really, it was a fun job. I got to drive a lot of really cool cars, and you know, I got into an accident a couple of times and got fired because of it. But, uh. but other than that, no big deal. But I also, at the same time, had got, I was working, um, as a as a contractor and I got a contract to work for Kodak which mm. was great it was like okay you're going to building five you're going to build power supplies which was like right up my alley because it's just soldering I mean it's stuff yeah I learned that when I was part of the whole instrument doing my instrumentation so class. I was just coming bringing it was like hey right I'm back it's it's that it might be something Second that might nature it might be something that turns into something and stuff but I, I did that and then then my stepfather who he worked at Kodak, and he was—he was kind of a high. He was part of part of expatriate services, but he had pulled some strings and got me an interview to work at Kodak and another pair of part of Kodak. And I did not want that job. It was working in the dark rooms with the emulsions. Ooh. So basically, you're you're working eight to twelve hours in a dark room, 
and you're working with chemicals all the time. And it was like, I'm good. I went for the job interview. And the job interview, the first thing they do is they make you walk through it for part of the day. That is the most freakiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. You've got to be a very special person to work in the dark rooms and the emotions in, in Kodak. You have to be because I could not do it. It was, you're dark. It's dark all the time. And the only time you get out of it is if you go to if lunch. You go to lunch or break times. All the other times you're walking around in the dark making noises so people know that you're coming around the corner. Hey, yep, it's me. Oh, hey. And this that's all you hear. Corner behind. The whole the whole time you're in the dark rooms. And these are now these aren't little oh, dark rooms. These, no, these are, are like pitch huge, black. These are huge warehouses full of emulsion of chemicals that are that you're moving around. I, like, I could never and do I could have and I I got that job. I could have got that job right off the bat. And I was like, I can't do this, Bill, because I'm working already now working at Kodak, working as a contractor somewhere else. And luckily I didn't because what happened was not more than like four, three or four months later, they offered the big, uh, they had a big buyout for people that wanted to get out of jobs at Kodak that wanted to get their pensions early and stuff. Yeah. And a bunch of people in the area I was working the last day you walk in, you walked in, signed the papers, and walked out and told them to go fuck themselves. So here this was, my group, they had four or five jobs that they had no one to take the job over. So you snagged one of those. So th I so was like, quick. I'll take the job. You're going to hire me? And they said, yes, we'll hire you. And that's how me and my friend Lisa and a couple other people I know got hired as, as you know, assemblers at, 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 Kodak. at Kodak. And I actually got hired as a, as a, a packer. Woo! Working packing in the big machines, not even doing any assembly. And I wasn't a packer for too long before I went back to assembly. But I had proven myself in assembly. I had proven myself in packing that I could do any kind of job you wanted me to do and I could do it. And the job that I went to do, I went from being the packing to being the, the head assembler on, um, it was a scanner. It was a, a scanner you scan film. Mm -hmm. It was that, what is it, what do you call it, the... RFS 2035 Plus is what it was called. This is when they started to use the plus stuff. Ooh. And it was a plus, and what you did, you, what it did is you take like film, strips of film, you put them through this little scanner and it scanned them and you could digitize them. And it was, a, it was a really good job because I was given a lot of free reign. I worked really good, close with, with engineering. You were kind of like a little bit I, everywhere. I came up with a lot of ideas that made me some money too, which was really cool. A lot of packing ideas because I was doing everything. Because you're when you was the head guy there, right? Yeah. I had to control. I had, I at one point I was the only person doing everything. I was building the damn things. I was testing the damn things. I was packing the things. Damn. I was doing all of that and shipping them too. On top of it, all that stuff. I was doing the whole the whole thing. And then when it started to kick off and started to make a lot of. We were the only ones, our group was the only one making money in the digital part of it. With the digital, because they were, they just started doing digital cameras too. And I was wanting to get, I wanted to get into that part of it. Mm -hmm. But luckily I didn't. I got into the scanner part of it. And then the scanner part basically was whole making the, the professional digital camera. We made enough money to keep them going until they got their shit together. And then we were both made a lot of money. And then, and that's, and that was for that one. I did that for a long time until I got, and I used that experience working on that scanner and working that to get my job in engineering. Well, not engineering. It was, I got my job in the, the imaging sciencing part of it where I, become a I became a technician. That's where I was at Kodak for the last seven, eight years of, of the time I was there. I was a technician in the image science division. I learned a whole bunch of stuff about 
quantitative, you know, measures. Right? Learn how to learn how to use a bunch of different printers, like large format, mm-hmm. you know, twenty by thirty printers, and bunch of you know, bunch of cool stuff that I to this day I don't remember half of it now. But, <laughs> but it was it was a really cool job. And I and once I had that job, I had that for the time, and then they had their layoffs. I mean, out of the group of 20 people, we had 20, we had 19 people was our job. Including you? Including me. And I tried to get a job in the field at a couple times during here, but then I was starting to have some physical problems. I was falling down a lot. And that's where And we this is when we found out that I have muscular dystrophy. Muscular dystrophy, and I was like, okay, well, I was going to go on disability and then get... Because didn't you work for Harris for a few years? Well, what happened was, Kodak, I got, when I got out of Kodak, there was, I just... I had a good year of pay. They gave me a year of pay. Year of severance, yeah. My severance because I worked there long enough and I could live off it. And it was it was great. We had the summer that we spent at Bonnie's. That we yeah. spent swimming the whole summer. It was great. We talked about that before for yeah. sure. And then what happened was it was like, okay, my insurance, that, that was going to run out. And then my uh, unemployment insurance was going to run out. And I'm like, I got I to gotta have a job. And during the certain time, I had like been refining my resume, fixing it, making it, getting it really good, trying going on a lot of interviews and not getting a bite from anybody. Yeah. But as the time was going on, I was slowly deteriorating too. I mean, you could it was harder for me to get up and out of chairs and walk up and down stairs and mm-hmm. stuff. And it was noticeable. And I think that's what caused some people to kind of go, Well, this guy's got the skills, but he does we're not sure he can physically do stuff. And I think that's what caused that to happen. And then I, for some reason, I, I just, I went back, I contacted, I contacted my old um, uh, contracting place and they said, well, we don't do that anymore, but here's the company that does. And they gave me, I got, I went to this company, Yo, and they basically, Yo is basically Harris's hiring. contracting and they're, oh, okay. they're hiring, but they were contractors. And I, you basically work for them to work for Harris and then I got the job there and then they put you through this training for uh, soldering and stuff and I was like come on soldering you already knew that me and my friend soon we, we went to classes we kicked ass we were like we were done before everybody else we were the top of the top of the class and we had basically we had all the, the great we got when it came time to get the job we got the easy the great job doing the really good stuff working on the, the radios for Harris, which was kind of fun. And I worked that for a year. Yeah. A year before they hired me, and then I worked a whole, well, it was a year and a half before they hired me. And then I worked the whole year as an employee mm-hmm. before I had my first heart problem, where my heart rate went up to 200 beats for four hours. And that's Sting. where... And that's where it all went to hell for me. I lost my job then. And lost your job there. I didn't lose my job. Over. I had to go on disability and go through all that stuff. And then I was completely disabled after that and it was like no way I was gonna yeah that was that was a struggle it was a struggle I mean because you know your mom and I had we had money in our my 401k that was left over we blew through that because your mom was trying to work her ass off trying to get the, her company her business going and she was only thing keeping us afloat was your yeah. mom's massage therapy business was the only thing keeping us going keeping the house keeping everything I mean, we came close a couple of times where things happened that we had to cash out some money, and then basically we went through my entire retirement in that time frame before I was able to get actual Social Security disability and and be you know have a some kind of money coming in for the family. And yeah, stuff. and even that was hard at first because we were like trying to we're struggling for stuff, and it 
And at that it was for me it was at that point it was very hard not to work because I loved working. I like being able to go go places. But the Harris job, talk about wearing on you as a physical and like a mental thing. Oh my god. Dude, yeah. we were I was working ten hour days. We were working ten uh two thirty in the afternoon to one o'clock at night. And then yeah. I had to drive around a half hour home every night. And we did I did this. That's through, when we were back in I Hamlin. did this through two winners. God two I of the hardest the winner. Hardest fucking winners that I've ever had oh, I tell you, it was ridiculous. Those were times. some pretty bad Well plus like, you're on Hamlin, you're out there, your fields are empty and there, there's snow all over the place. Oh so yeah. You get to a certain point, you get off five thirty one and then there's like drifts of shit all over the place. And they're not Nothing exactly quick about plowing time. shit like this. Oh, oh God, shit. yeah. Especially at 2 in the morning. You know, I mean, I'd be coming home. I'd finally get home. I'd leave work at, you know, 1, 1.30. Wouldn't get home till 2, maybe 2.30. Could not sleep. I couldn't come like, right home and go right to bed. So you waited for us to leave for yeah, school? Yeah, I would leave for you guys for school. Up. I would either, you know, give, see you guys in the morning when you go to, go to school and... You know, give you hugs and kisses and go, and then go back to sleep. And mom went off to do her thing, and then I was home for the most of the day until I left for two, two o'clock to drive all the way back to the, to work for another ten Damn. hours and stuff. Man, it was, it was, it got, it warned me. I felt like I was by myself. I didn't feel like I was, had any connection to anybody at, at all at that point. Yeah, I mean, you were just, I mean, I was doing what you needed to do, just working because that was what we wanted to do. And I liked Harris' job. Harris, I liked the job. I just didn't like the hours. But I liked the job. It was a That's, great, that was the thing I loved about that company. I just loved the people there. I loved everything about the job. And I mean, I loved it so much. I got your grandfather to get a freaking job there. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't say I got him there. I told him. I said, "Why don't you try this?" And he was lucky. He didn't even have to go through the the contracting stuff. They hired him outright because of his military and his 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 experience. Hell yeah! They hired him outright, and I'm like, that was for me. I would love that they did that because it was. A, it's a great, it was a great company to work for when I worked there, and I wish I could have still be working there now. I would See, love it. How you feel about Harris is how I feel about Costco now. Hours fucking suck, but the job itself, I, I'd love it. I love being in majors. I love being in like TVs and computers, and I'm very skilled and knowledgeable in that field. So it's it, it was hard for me. It's hard for me to leave. Well, that's that's the thing about jobs too. Is like, it's not just the job itself. It's sometimes it's the people you work with too. Like the people I remember. I mean, to this day, I still remember Greg Chase and Dave and Dave from uh, working when I first started working on the on the Premier program at, at Kodak as their thing. I still remember those guys. I mean, they were they were the guys that told me I came in, learn everything because if you learn everything, they can't get rid of you. And they were right. They could get rid of me. I got rid of myself because I got a better job in that place. Exactly. And it was like those are. The, I mean, I still to this, I still to this day remember those. Remember that. And then I had so many people. Like when I went over to the, the imaging science, and like Tina Dorfey and and Dick Lassetti and Don Brown and um, Dick Firestein. I mean, they were all. These were all guy people that to this day I remember so fondly of hanging out with them. Even even. Even our boss, Tina, who was the scariest fucking woman I've ever worked for in my life. She was very, uh, very intense, very, she knew what she wanted to do. She wanted to know what had to be done. She had you do it. She was a very intense person. But uh, she was a very fair boss, though. I liked that about her. She was fair. As long as they're fair. And God. that's what was cool about it. And like I said, and then when I went from working for them and work, 
came over to the last group I was in, there's been, never been a group of people that I loved so much. And these guys were awesome, too. I mean, my buddy Kenny, who is my, he is my spiritual advisor no matter what. I love the man. I know if he listens to this, he's going to be, fr- I love you, man. <laughs> but I, my friend Stan Holmes, it was something that someone that I very care very much for. He took me under his wing. Ed Minnick, he's another person that to this love day, Ed. oh my god, Ed is part of our family. Yeah, he's, Ed is. He's been here. He's been. He comes to every poker game. He's like tries I said, to at least. He's like my. He's like my brother. He's like a brother. Like Kenny is my brother, and Stan was like my older brother. These are my older brothers, and even Bob Hebing, who was a little bit of a pain in the ass sometimes, but. I'm not sure I was a pain in the ass to him, but then Chris Lucacci, who had just passed away recently, which I'm very saddened to say that she had passed away. But all those people are people that... Those are relationships that you make I, for a lifetime. I, I, I remember the, I'll remember these people to the day I die. They're yeah. always going to be part of my life. I mean, people, there's certain people. Like even now, I'm talking about Rick, Chef Rick Poe, who I haven't seen in 30 years. Yeah. At least 30 years. Maybe 35 years. The last time I actually spoke to the man, saw the man, and to this day he's still part of my—he's still in the back of my head when I fucking go to cook. I don't know why, but he is. It's like, yes, it's just, And even though, even though, like my my boss that I worked with at Castleberry, he—he's he, in the back of there. Some of the little things that he says when I'm like when I go to do some stuff on my computer, I'm going to rebuild something or take something apart and try to fix it myself. Yeah. I always remember these little things he used to say to me. Okay, you make sure you get everything set up right so you're not doing it half-assed. You're going to do it right. Don't do it at all. I was like, that type of thing. And it's like... It's those kinds of people that just make an impact on your life. Like, I, I'm I'm terrible at making friends as extroverted as I am or used to be. Uh, Donnie is just has become one of my best friends because working at Costco... And now I'm having, I'm trying to have him be more involved. I'm trying to be, like, hang out with him more. Well, now you're going to wander because you're, yeah, well, because you're not going to be working anymore and you don't have that, you want to make sure you keep his friendship. Oh, for sure. Which is important. I think that's, for me, that was one of the things about Kodak, too. I'm kind of, I I feel a little bad that some of the people that I used to work with, I'm not as close with as I was back then. But I still, like I said, the people that really are the ones that, it's like high school almost. It's like high school almost. Mm-hmm. It's like the people that I care about from high school that I, I'm still in contact with now. Like Dave Griffith and my friend Julie, Julie and stuff. And your Uncle Mike, who I went to high school with him and stuff like that. Yeah. And just like, just those, the people that I want to, I know how to get hold of them if I need to, if I want to. I'm, and that, that's always they're great They're part of it and that. I want to keep that. But then it's like some of the people I used to work with, like Tina, Tina, her husband Mike, I worked, Tina was like, she had shown me the ropes. I mean, I she had shown me how to, because I had just come over to the the imaging science division, and she was like my mentor. She made, mm-hmm. she taught me how to do a lot of things and how the things, this is how you should do things. And sensibilities of it, like Dick Lissetti, I To this day, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I missed that I haven't been able to talk to Dick Lissetti in so long. I should try to call him, but I don't even know how to get a hold of him anymore. That's, That's fair. And it's, and it's what happens is you just lose touch with some people. And I'm, now, luckily, Tina and I, we connected again at Chris's little wake thing they had there, which was kind of cool because I, I always liked her. So she was always, her and her husband are always really nice people and they always, and I get, I think, I think I might have inspired Mike. I know I inspired a couple other people to get the gastric bypass and it's working wonderful for him still Hell too. Hell yeah. And I just, to me, that is like something that I, that I love and it's like these people, they're still part of your lives even though they're not always going to be there every single day. But it, that's to be, 
wouldn't happen because if you're working, think of it, work is like a quarter of your life. A quarter of your, a third of your life is at work. Yeah, uh, which sucks, but it's it's what yeah, you got to do. These are the people that you're going to interact with every day and stuff. So that's just part of the deal. It's like, I love that part of it that I'll always remember these people that I work with. And like I said, I'm still in connection with Kenny and, and Ed and... I mean, some relate. Some just, of those friendships and relationships you make are going to be lifelong, like with Ed and yeah. with Kenny. Like you, you have these relationships that you keep throughout your entire life. No matter what time and point you actually met them, they're going to be a part of your life, or you always have them in the back of your head. Yeah. What is to kind of like finish off? Oh yeah. How would you quit uh, your job? in the most not extravagant way possible because i already know i there's a few things i want to say to kind of like head it out uh if i want this to be like the final thing for costco uh the worst job you've ever had if you could tell off the manager or anyone you worked with how would you say it see now i've never to me i've i've never really had hard really shitty jobs i mean they're not great Right. But uh, like, I loved working in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I loved working at Harris. I loved working at Kodak too. I mean, it's like. But was there might have been a job that you liked doing, but hated the people you worked with? See, there's none of them. None? I don't have any job where I've hated the people I worked with. When I worked at Hearst Rent-A-Car, they were great guys. I mean, there was a bunch of. I used to hang out with some of the Puerto Rican guys, and the guy from Kentucky used to hang out all the time. Damn. And it was like, I don't, I can't remember any job that I really, I mean, maybe I didn't like working for, for Pam's husband, Kenny, as much, but that was because I was by myself most of the time. He said, here, clean that car, and that was it. I cleaned the car by myself for most of the time. But that wasn't, it wasn't even that, because I knew him, and I knew her because she was part of Pam's, you know, family and stuff. So it's not like, I mean, I, I worked as a Kelly, as a Kelly person, I delivered beer for like a week. (laughs) <laughs> which kind of I worked at, at Wegmans for a week and I couldn't stand how we made ham hot dogs I mean that's but see those are little stupid it's little, just the, like, the these little... are like the little ones I mean even like I, when I even left Kodak I left Kodak my head held high because I knew I had done the job I was supposed to do there yeah. and I knew that it wasn't something I did was why I got fired yeah it was, it was because the numbers that were that. and I think I think I might have made my my boss cry or made my boss upset when we had the final goodbye kind of thing that I wasn't I was happy I was looking forward to being gone mm. it was like I mean I already had planned it out I already, knew, we already knew we had the severance we already knew we had cover for the next year and a half I knew what I was going to do I was going to be swimming all fucking summer I didn't Hell give a yeah. fuck I was happy I was going to spend time with my kids which I haven't had to do for being able to do in a long time so it was that it was like I said there's never been it was like a a very large silver lining for you. Yeah, and it's like I said, I've never really completely hated any of the jobs I've done. Well, <clears throat> and if I wanted to fire, if I wanted to quit, I would just I think the worst thing I would do is just not show up and not tell them. Just I mean, that's fair. <laughs> Uh, this is a message that goes out to uh, Costco in Rochester, store 1195. My last day is tomorrow. This is happening. I'm not going to say this tomorrow, but this is what I want to say. Uh, Brennan, Donnie, you guys were the best part of majors. Steven, you're still the father of majors, and I love you. Uh, Taylor, find a new fucking job. 
Uh, who else? Michelle, you were awesome. Ryan, the uh, store manager, you were awesome. Nick, the store manager, fuck you. And fuck everything you've ever done. Manny, go fuck yourself. DJ, go fuck yourself. Uh, everyone else that I've ever interacted with there, Alex, uh, Shayna, uh, Travis, love you all. You guys are awesome. Everyone else, go fuck yourselves. Get a new job. You know what's best. I'm done. Wow. <sighs> now, was that cathartic or what, dude? Woo! Got that off your chest. Thank God you'll be gone before this is out. <laughs> Thank God. They can't, what are they going to do? Fire me? No. Even if they did, no one listens to this fucking podcast. Yeah, I work. know. Well, you know how, what are our thoughts on this? This is our family kind of podcast, and it's our our archive of, of us, of our family and stuff. So it's kind of... And are the way things are with us. I got an email yesterday having a welcome letter for my orientation stuff. And it says at the end, uh, we find that many new hires of ESL wish to share the exciting news of their new position on social media pages. So here's a couple of options that we have for you. Uh, I am proud to announce I'm starting my career journey at ESL Federal Credit Union as a relationship banker. I am am excited to be a part of such an excellent team. And that's all I got to say about ESL right now. I'm I'm excited. There There are some companies that are way better to work for, and ESL sounds like it's one of them. ESL has been voted like top five best places to work in New York. And you know that used to be a Kodak yeah. company because you could only get to ESNL if you Isn't were working. E- doesn't com- ESL stand for like Eastman? Eastman Savings and Loans, what yeah. it was, because you could only get into it if you were could get in the building at Kodak because they never used to have places out in the in the thing. I, when I got my when I got my first my my account there, I did it at Building Five in, at Elm Grove because <laughs> that's where I could, the only way you could get in. And it was, I think it wasn't until like four or five years later before I, before they started coming out and out in the real world, they have like banks and stuff. And then there was only a couple of them here and there. Yeah. And then now they're all over the fucking place, which is great. because It's great. We have 25, 25 branches in Monroe County alone uh, with some outside of Monroe County, like Ontario County and... Oh, they got something. They got some in Genesee too. I think there's one in Batavia. Yeah, one in Batavia. Any, um, any place where there's been a lot of people that used to work for Kodak, I think they have a lot because that's one of the reasons why you can get on and become a member. All that. It's but very mostly, exclusive. <laughs> it's not very exclusive. Everyone that's ever worked lives in Rochester probably can get into it yeah. some way or another. At least now. Well, my uncle worked there or something like that, or it's always something like that. You know? <laughs> but it's but no, I I'm. I'm looking forward for you thinking this is going to be a great opportunity for you. It might be a chance for you to start a career. Yeah, definitely. It might be. Start a career or even start up my streaming again, which I've been wanting to do since getting full time at Costco. I had to give that up. And that took so much out of me to give up something that I love so much. Right. Well, that's another thing, too. I mean, we're talking about. There might be a, our our schedule might be a little spotty here and there until Alex can figure this out. For the next five weeks, I'm going to be eight to four thirty Monday yeah. through Friday. So we're going to be trying some new things, maybe bringing in like you know guest co-hosts like Lizzie or God forbid my wife, but, um, <laughs> but stuff like that. We're we're thinking about doing stuff. I'm even thinking about doing a couple little things myself just to just While to come I'm, out and sit. But we've got. He's going to be doing his thing, and I think this is a great opportunity for him, and I'm very happy 
as a father, as as a as a podcast co-host, <laughs> that he's going to have this opportunity, and I think it's something that's going to it's going to bring you to the next level of, I guess, maturity as a, an adult. I mean, you are twenty five now. Hell, your insurance is going down soon too. Isn't I'm it? hoping so. God, better, I don't well, know how to get that fixed, but you call your insurance company and say, "Hey, what hey, the I'm hell?" I'm 25. Uh, yeah, I'm 25. Insurance. Hook me up, brother. <laughs> I'll see what I can. But do. stuff like that. So, but I'm, well, so there will be some things like that. Now, I want to give a couple shout outs to a couple um, podcasters out there that that I'm associated with. I mean, there's Dustin with Ugly Little Pod uh, Spudcast. Who will be coming out with new episodes pretty soon? I'm pretty sure he says he's going to be doing. Oh yeah, and it's very exciting. Jason will be on that a couple of times, and and I'm interested in hearing some of Jason's first time at a comic or a con or something just in general. <laughs> That'd be interesting. And I have a, another new, I guess you'd call him friend, Chris Zappa, who does Zappagram. I've met, I kind of met him through email on um, Substack, which is a whole nother thing, which. Substack to me is one of the reasons why we're actually doing this now. It helped encourage me to want to express myself in ways other than just Facebook bitching and moaning about stuff. <laughs> um, but his name is Chris Zappa, and I've kind of gotten a little kind of a friendship with him. We've had a couple of emails back and forth. He has a, a great podcast called The Zappagram, Zappagram, and it's if you love music. He's a he's a music person who no, thinks about everything that comes out. You want to know about stuff that's that's new coming out, new like artists, like weeks in advance. You're gonna find out about. He's a big vinyl person, which a lot of people that we in our family mm-hmm. we're all into vinyl, and they're doing a lot of uh, reissues and stuff like that. And he has a lot of that information out there, and it's just it's very you know people die, people like we just talked about. He's one this week just talked about. Um, Jimmy, Buffett Jimmy Buffett dying, and that the guy was from Smash Mouth dying, and the guy from Smash Mouth. So there's there's stuff out there that he talks about people's birth, people's deaths over the years, things that have been released, things that are going to be released, and it's a really cool it's a really cool podcast. And if you can get a chance to hear it, he's on all the all the things Apple. I don't know if he's on iHeart, but you can check it out. But just do a search for Zappa, Zappa Graham, and you'll find him, I'm sure. Because I'm really, I really like listening to him because it's got me thinking about some stuff that I want to get and stuff like that, too. So Yeah. So there's a couple of podcasters out there that we are kind of, I guess we're, we're, we're associating ourselves with them. <laughs> they don't have to put, push back us. us at all, we're just but. associating with them because of everyone, any of our people that well, listen to different things. Hey, local stuff has to stay together. I mean, support your local. I mean, Chris isn't, I don't think Chris is a local, but he's a substacker. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a substacker because I'm a big fan of Heather Cox Richardson and her historical. One of the reasons Takes why this podcast stuff. is the way it, it is. Yeah, it is because of her, basically, and a lot of it too. So that's one of the things that maybe I'll be talking about more about myself if I mean, if we can't get Alex in. It'll still be shit I say because you know yeah. I say shit all the time. So so beyond whatever, let's. If, uh, if you're still listening at this point, thank you so much for listening uh, up to this hour twenty three minute mark. Uh, I know we talk a bunch, and uh, we appreciate every single listener that follows 
through through all of our episodes. Uh, if you liked the podcast or you continue to like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Post it on your social media. Uh, we come up with a new episode every Wednesday. Uh, not Wednesday. We record every Wednesday, but we... Uh, every Friday or Saturday. Every Friday or Saturday, uh, we have a new episode coming out. So uh, share it with your friends and family. It mean a lot to us. We're trying to grow our little community a little bit more. Uh, even though it's just like kind of a... Th- Small thing right now with family. Uh, we're hoping for season two to come out with a uh, with a bang, and uh, we'll get we're gonna we got some brainstorming ideas for season one finale. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, we're gonna have gonna fun. fun. I mean, this is fun in general, just because we get to spend time together. Cause yeah, haven't before with you moving out and everything too. So this is a weekly thing. So it's yeah, it's I think it's been pretty good. It's been a fun summer. I know summer's over and. Right now, tomorrow would be the first day of uh, football season. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And there's a lot of interesting things coming up for everybody in the family, for for you, for me. I think things are going to be going to be real things exciting. Are looking up. I think there's a, a, a sun on the horizon, and uh, we're, we got a lot of great, great things coming up. Yeah, let's hope they get that strikes figured out, too. Oh, oh please. But... Uh, Without further ado, this is Warren saying goodbye. This is Alex signing off. Adios. Yeah.